Hello, it's Alice Arnold here. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. We're highlighting a new musical this week called And Juliet. And we spoke to four of the cast members. We spoke to Cassidy Jansen, Miriam Teat Lee, who plays Juliet, Melanie LeBarry, who plays the nurse, and Oliver Thompson, who plays Shakespeare. We are in the, I think this is called the Royal Bar. Of the Shaftesbury Theatre. <laughs> I'm with Casty Jensen. I've been with you before, Casty. Yes, You've been on my co- podcast before for very different reasons. Yes. Because we were doing, well, lots of music from you, but also, um, yes, Man of La Mancha, which you were in at the time. Was. Now you are in a new musical. Brand new, world original. And Juliet. Yes. Well, actually, Ambersand Juliet. Yes. Yeah. Does anyone call it that? No. Ampersand. No. No. But maybe we should start. They don't. Um, it's a musical <laughs> that explores what happens to Juliet if she didn't kill herself yeah. in Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. And Cassidy, you played... So I looked down the cast list and I saw it said Cassidy Jensen, Anne. Mm. And I thought, in my memory, and I, you know, I know my Shakespeare fairly well, <laughs> Anne's not in it. But it's not... Any old Anne. No, it's William Shakespeare's wife in real life, Anne Hathaway. Yes. So I'm playing the Whiffy, yes. Yes, and the Whiffy, (laughs) well, I would say actually orchestrates this whole play. I kind of do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell us how that happens. So I turn up to the last rehearsal, oh no, sorry, the the rehearsal before the performance, and we've just found out the ending. Shakespeare's just recounted what the ending is to everybody, and we're all a little bit disappointed and I just point out the obvious which is the ending's a little not very good I say a stronger word than that in the show and um and I go darling we should rewrite it and we start passing the quill back and forth and uh I say what happens if Juliet found Romeo dead decided not to kill herself and this whole new show starts and and we're off on a bit of a ride it's brilliant because you manipulate Everybody. (laughs) Well, you do. (laughs) And you manipulate Juliet. I mean, you just, every time something's going to happen, you don't like, you go, but but, but I don't think so. We're not having this. So basically you write it. Anne Hathaway writes it. She takes over. And um, there are a lot of jokes in it. The cast generally in this play, well, there's an age range, but there are a lot of very young, energetic people on the stage. So bouncy. Aren't they bouncy? Wow. I mean... (laughs) They they bounce and they don't snap. No, they. Whereas <laughs> I would snap now. But you they bounce look, with them. I actually, to be fair, I am bouncing around the stage quite a lot, and I do have a nice have a nice little tango with Shakespeare at one point mm-hmm. in the show, which I love doing. Yeah. But there are lots of jokes that you make about because don't you cast yourself as? I, I yes, I, I end up younger than you. Are. Yeah, I write myself in the show as Juliet's new best friend at one point, and it yeah. all gets very silly and. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm playing someone much younger than myself, and uh, there are a few age comments, <laughs> which, of course, you know, aren't, aren't in real life. I'm not like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is. Um, oh, it's such a ride of a show. I mean, it's just it's highly energetic. Yeah. The music, which we haven't talked about yet, mm. is by Max Martin. So it's yes. a jukebox musical, but by based on the composer so rather than the artist. artist. Yeah, and um, and I'll put my hands up and say this, that I'd not heard of him 
um, before I was uh, asked to do the workshop over a year ago. Um, and then I had to research who he was. And the moment you Google Max Martin, you're like, oh my goodness, this is the third biggest songwriter of all time, only behind Lennon and McCartney. And he's written every pop hit in the last 25 years. And you kind of get a little bit blown away by this guy's, you know, catalogue. And um, and then you meet him and he's the most gorgeous human being. Oh, does he, did he come, is he? Oh, he's here all the time. Is he? With his oh, family. Oh. And he, he, he loves the project. He, he's, he's so gracious and so good at his job. He produced the album. So we're all in the recording studio working with him. Oh, so he's integrally involved Massively in involved in the show. And he, he's, he's, not only is he delightful, he's he's just an amazing human being to be around. He grants everyone so much um, respect from the swings to the produce. It's it, Everyone's treated the same by him and it's lovely. It's really lovely. Oh, I hadn't realised that he was sort of part of this whole process. I mean, it's it's like a yeah. tribute to him. But he's not very old, so he's still writing, yeah. presumably. Yeah, there's a, there's a new song in the show that's going to be released, so. I think, which I'm not supposed to talk about. So we're hoping for a hit yeah. um, from the show. Now, as you said you were involved in this right from the very beginning, from a workshop. From yeah? I think I did the second to last workshop. So I think they'd done some workshops in America. And then I think I did the, f I think it was the first one over here. Um, yeah, so it was very, it was the same, but very different. And it's obviously evolved and become better and better and better. And my character changed quite a lot as well, which was, I was really happy with her. It feels like you have changed. I mean, it, the, the character feels very much as if it's come from you. I, I, I think the writer is very clever in that as he's got to know all the cast, he's, he's sort of, slightly molded the writing to suit the actor playing the role at the moment and I think that's really clever that he's done that and he's also very very clever in that he's taken these very very famous pop songs managed to write a very very strong script but when he puts the pop song in that sh scene the song actually pushes the plot along and he's barely changed the pronoun and you sort of scratch your head at, at how he's done that because that's that's almost it's impossible but he's done it mm. and that's what makes the show so funny and clever because you're laughing but at the same time you're going how the hell has he done that i was that's just funny. gonna say because you released an album earlier this year I did. and you had a song written by carol king was beautiful and she yeah. gave you a song and we talked about that in the past now have you been influenced by max martin's music do you think you would now because you write i do um do you think this has influenced your writing um, I'm sure it probably will because everything sort of subconsciously influences you even if you're not obviously aware of it um, I have written um, quite a poppy pop song which have you? yeah which I'm going to be recording in the next couple of weeks but, um, will that be released as a single that's the aim obviously like you know that's who knows what the future is going to be but um, yeah so uh, and I'm but I'll share that with you nearer the time okay yeah. well, we'll, we'll have you on again when you release your poppy song thank you quite the poppy song yeah um i think just wishing you all the best for the run of this show it's so fun it is it's a and we're having massively a fun best time on stage so, as well and i think that comes across yeah it definitely does cassidy thank you thank you so much for coming in <laughs> try to describe you <laughs> You've got an amazing hairstyle for a thank start. Thank you very much. Which is sort of shaved you. at the sides and then all piled up. 
the yeah. Was that for yes. the part? Or? No, I've had this you, for a while, that, actually. That's, yeah. your, that's your look. Yes, um, like this is Juliet <laughs> sitting in front of me wearing, I mean, how you are very, you're tall. I am, I'm five foot ten. You yes. look taller than that. You've got heels. <laughs> no, oh, no, you haven't right. got heels on. But no. on stage, I mean, Juliet is in this production uh, the huge star of the show <laughs> and a pop star, and you are every bit of that. You Aww. just, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, clearly you're not <laughs> acting this. This is what you are. And the way you move and the confidence and the way you just control the stage and, you know. Now, to play Juliet, it, obviously, mm -hmm. and this is a bit different from in the play. Did you go? Yes. Did you get back to the source material? Hmm. I did. Just I haven't even introduced you, Miriam Teakley. <laughs> Miriam Teakley. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Left that a long time into it, didn't I? Um, did so? Did you go back to your source material and study well, your Shakespeare did. for I it? Did, did you? look through it, just not to like really delve in too too deep, but just to kind of look at references, what she's been through, because you know. I, she start, we're starting from a place where she's lived the life that, as we know she has before and then we're moving forward so um, and I was I loved reading it again because I, I kind of like rediscovered how I think she actually was always strong in the original play like you know she's the one who tells Romeo like we, if we're going to do this we need to get married you need to find the friar if we're going to do this the right way you know otherwise forget it you know and she, she sends her nurse to go and get Romeo so I feel like she's very kind of hands on she knows what she wants um, and I just really try to hold on to that throughout this story. Now Cassidy told us very honestly that she hadn't heard of Max Martin. Yes. Had you? I hadn't, no. no. No, I had to look him up. But, I mean, you very quickly discover, you know, how incredible he is and what he's done. You Isn't know. it funny how composers just don't obviously get the credit? Exactly. What they do get is the money. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they his, do. I looked up his net worth on Wikipedia. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You get the money for writing it. Yeah. Not, not for performing it. Yeah. But he, he but. seems so chill in the fact that, you know, he doesn't want to be in the limelight at all. So he loves writing the music, but he's like, mm -hmm. let the, the singers and the stars you. do that. Yeah. And you do your own thing with it. But you presumably were familiar with the music. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, throughout the entire process, you know, they've always been strong on us having our own sound and not feeling like we have to lean into how the singers sang the song, but actually creating a new voice for these characters, you know, and it's just that they use these words to tell their story. You know, it's not, you're not trying to emulate, emulate anyone else. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you, now you were in Hamilton. Yes. Was that the job you had before this one? That was, yes. And so that was in a role that had already been created. Exactly. And you were being whatever the person before yes been. absolutely exactly and now very quickly <laughs> shot to start and playing the absolute <laughs> lead in a brand new production i mean this is every musical theater actress's dream and literally exactly and it doesn't and come happened. around all the time you know it's and like, it's happened very early in your career i know <laughs> <laughs> it? It's amazing. So, but you were well trained for this arts ed girl, aren't yes, you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Love yes. it. Oh my goodness. Arts ed will always be in my heart. They're just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> little place in Chiswick. Yeah. Know it well. Um, you taught, I've, I've looked, you do a vlog, don't you? Okay, I do. I a do. A vlog for our listeners is a video <laughs> blog. Yes, you yes. film bits of yourself talking about I things. Do. And you talked about how in this, because you have a heck of a sing in this yes. production, and you, I mean, you have a phenomenal voice. <laughs> but you. you have to look after it. Absolutely. And how, how do you do that now you're up and running? I, I tend not to go out on late nights or anything like that. I 
when I'm going home, I always steam in the shower, actually. I feel like that's, I do it before bed and in the morning I have a nice steam in the shower as well. And I just feel like it just opens up the voice. It keeps it like lubricated in a good place. And I just can't be like shrieking and shouting all the time. You know, you just have to be so conscious of it. And it's just so interesting how, you know, the everyday person does not even think about how they're using their voice. It's just like, it's fine. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to be so conscious as a singer. So I don't know how, how are you ever going to top <laughs> playing this part in Ampersand, as I like to call it, Ampersand Juliet. Ampersand <laughs> Juliet, I um, love that. <laughs> and you're Juliet, so you yes. know, you are the title role I in a brand am. new musical. I am. Well, we hope that this runs on and on and on. Absolutely. But do you have a dream part? After this, would you, we'll, well end at some point. Uh, I, after this, I actually really want to go into like TV and film world. That oh. is where I definitely want to go into. But also from doing this, I'm also like, I kind of want to go into the singing world as well. So it's like these two worlds I would love to be a part of. And you could do either or both. <laughs> do you <laughs> write music? I don't write music. Okay. I write poetry, actually. So which is very close. So okay. It's not well, a short... Cassidy <laughs> writes, you could sing with her. I she, know. Well, I mean, you do in the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, so film, film and telly. Yeah. And into the music world. Yes. Um, I can't see how you're not going to succeed (laughs) in both of those (laughs) things, all of those things, because you are just such a presence. I mean, it's quite a build-up for Juliet to arrive on stage and go, how are they going to handle this? And then Juliet arrives and you go, oh, my word. (laughs) She is a presence. That is one strong woman on stage. Thank you very much. And you know what, that's that's funny, because when when I started on this project, David West-Reed, the writer, he said that he had this idea of Juliet being this sort of subservient, timid girl at first, who then kind of finds herself. And when I, like, came on the project and started, you know, uh, doing my interpretation of Juliet, he was like, oh, well, there's just no way we're going to have that anymore, you know? Let's Forget start that, that journey a yeah. bit further on where she's already found herself. Exactly. Yes, but it's very clear that you have. Yeah. Um, lots of luck with Thank the run very and much. with the press night and all of that. I think it's going to be a phenomenal success. Ooh. It already is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Miriam Teak Lee. Say the name again because I didn't say it enough. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to make the mistake I did with Miriam and not say her name for right. So, the, Melanie LeBarry, you are playing the nurse. I do, yes, yes, I And am. somewhat still the show, it has to be said. Uh, the nurse has always been a good part. In very, very good part. Even and you've original, played the real yes. one, haven't you? I, I have. You have, I, I know. Have. And, um, and it was incredible fun even to do that. Um, to, to find the original nurse, and well, I say the original nurse, to find the nurse in the Shakespeare's <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, because we have an original nurse as well, and we, we found extra dimensions to her in this play um, that I don't think she even gets a chance to explore in, in, in the Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare's version, right? Uh, no, she's a more rounded, I'd say she's a more rounded character Quite. in this production. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> She has a whole history. She has, she a, has history. a history. She has. Yes. She's, you know, she's a busy. Well, she was a busy younger girl. Yes, yeah, she was a busy younger girl, and, and, and it seems as if in her dotage she will be busy as well. <laughs> 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 but 
but she stands alone as her own person in our play, um, which is quite nice because the nurse in Romeo and Juliet is very much there as a, an appendage, if you like, to Juliet and uh, making sure that Juliet gets all of her wishes, mm. um, even towards the end, kind of not curtailing her wishes, but hoping for her happiness by saying that she should do what her mother asks. And in this one, uh, the nurse gets Angelique. She has her own name as well. Yeah, she does. Angelique. Uh, <laughs> she gets to stand, have her own life and um, have her own story be realized and with her, Juliet's help. Uh, and her own relationship. Yeah. Um, which she puts down the rules pretty firmly. My favorite speech in the oh, play. Oh, thank Obviously, you. I mean, that was a, well, it gets around of its own. <laughs> Um, it is brilliant. I can't spoil that for the audience, but no, you have we to wait until you put down your of terms it. of the relationship, <laughs> shall we say. Um, beautifully done. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Um, now, you're no stranger to the West End. You've, no. you've <laughs> been there, done it, and bought the T-shirt. Um, I've got a list. Some of them you can fill me in. Mary Poppins, Fame, Les Miserables, Matilda. Um when do you think because you have originated roles before you yes. know you haven't gone in just taken over things you've originated yes. roles so and you're obviously originating this one when do you go i think we've got a hit here well for me I, and it's not so much about having a hit it's about something that means um it, it just makes a very special spark in your heart or in your mind when you read it or have it read to you. And for me with this one, very much like one or two others that I that I have done, two years ago I was asked to come, to, the, the director asked me to come and read it. And he said, just you know, come along, we're having a two-day workshop and we're going to just read this thing. And I said, what is it? And he said, just come along. <laughs> and so he didn't tell me what it was. And um, it was on that very first day that we read it. And it was so clever, it was so funny, and I barely laughed and cried just in that one week. We'd never seen it before, and in that one reading two years ago, I sat there and I thought, gosh, this is so much fun, but also so magical in the way that it uh, fleshes out all these different relationships from top to bottom, mm -hmm. you know, from young to old. and. Um, I think that was the moment that I, I thought I really wanted to be a part of it. In terms of knowing that we had a hit, I think every day it's, um, it's a revelation. We do it because we love it and we have a great time doing it. And, um, and when the audience responds like that, like that speech you talk about, where, mm. when the audience responds like that to it, it's always a surprise to me. Is it? Yes. You'll I get never used expected. to it. You will get used to it. I promise you. <laughs> but I never expect it. I never take it for granted that it will come. I, I only speak as truthfully as I can, and then that happens, and it's like, oh. And at the end of the show, when they respond in the way, and even during the show, and sometimes you know we can't stop them from responding. <laughs> it's great um, because they are so much a part of what we're making on stage as well. Yeah. So I mean, there's a pantomime element about it. Absolutely, you and, know, the and audience are very involved. So. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and we made baddies it. and goodies. Exactly. And, yeah. And we made it like that. And yeah. you know, we talked a lot about the pantomime tradition and what is really terrific about it and that welcoming of the audience and that breaking the fourth wall and also knowing full well what you're making 
You know, it's a self-awareness mm-hmm. that pantomimes always have. And I think we carry forward that tradition in this yeah. play. Now, talking of traditions, you come from Trinidad. I do. Which we can hear in yes. your <laughs> wonderful accent, um, which the nurse comes from Trinidad too. Yes. yes she doesn't hide that accent. Um, and it's brilliant. It's lovely. Um, but you were a calypso singer. I and, was. And, and worked from a very young age. I did. I didn't did. You? I started when uh, when I was eight years old. And so we started, yeah, just doing uh, various concerts and whatnot. We used to do competitions, I think, from then and before. And then started being asked to sing in concerts. So there's, com- there's calypso competitions. There are calypso competitions for young and uh, older calypso uh, more seasoned professionals and the a more amateur ones. is a calypso singer. That's it. Tell uh, a calypsonian. Answer, I, I don't know about this, and this is just. A d- d- tell me I more. Know, I want I to know. learn. It's I want to learn about a, it. Well, well, calypso. You know. You give know. me a ti- Can you give a tiny example of? Oh, something that like you would do for a competition. A for a competition, or, oh. or for anything. I I actually had a song. Uh, oh God! I mean, me saying this because I never tell them. You know, the kids always say, "Mel, tell us about what it is you used to do." And I go, "No, it's such a long time ago." But I had a song back in 1990, which was the, the thing that actually brought me. Even though I'd been working for such a long time, it brought me well and fully into the public eye. And it was a song called "I Will Always Be There for You," um, and I. Became a recording artist. At, uh, that was when I was 16. Became a recording artist by then, and then went on to work on radio and television and all of that. I'll, I'll sing a bit for you. Yeah, do please. I'll sing the chorus for you. It goes, I will always be there for you. No matter what you do, whatever joy or pain that you are going through, I will always be there for you. I will be. I will be, I will be always there for you. That's brilliant. Oh, thank you. That's, Sarah, my producer, is clapping. I would clap, but I'm holding a microphone, and then I would drop it, and that would be that would be wrong. But and now you've been in Britain for a long time. And, I have. And yes. Do you do you do you go back, or do your family from Trinidad have they seen this? They haven't what? seen this. No, because my uh, you know my family in Trinidad they also live in the U.S. So um, right. it's it's harder for them to come over. Um, I go back, and I go over to uh, uh, to Dallas to. Texas, where my mum is. She's not even in Dallas. She's in Houston. Um, <laughs> Don't so, go to Dallas. Then, I know. I won't go to Dallas. See that know. would be a silly I thing we to do. Might, we might be taking a trip to <laughs> Dallas sometime soon, which is why it's in my mind. So I go over there and see her as well. So um, it's a lot. It's a very international family. Yeah. Um, but I have been here, yeah, for for almost twenty years. There are lots of, of facts, though, in this show yes. that are absolutely true and right about Shakespeare. And if younger people are coming to see it who haven't seen any Shakespeare it might encourage I mean they'll know the story I would hope so I mean the story is as old as time and and um, certainly popularized very much in in popular culture so that's good we have that working for us Mm -hmm. Um, you know we're not doing um, some of the more obscure ones yeah yeah You know, that might be a stretch. That <laughs> might be a dip, more difficult one. You know, sometimes because we have this thing where people go, I can't see what it is. You know, when you tell them about the show, they say, I can't see how it works. And you just have to say, look, just come and see it because we can't explain it to you. But if any one of these Shakespeare plays wants to work, it would have to be this one. 
if it was to work in a popular way. Mm. If you know, you've seen the ba- uh, what's it called, Baz Luhrmann <laughs> play. You mm. know the the movie and you know all of that, and that's very modern culture. Well, and West Side Story. Is, you have is, the West, exactly. Is Romeo and Juliet. Yes, you know, and, and absolutely the musical form of. So so we've done it before. Yeah. So I don't see why it won't work now. And I, the skepticism is always something that surprises me. But then I have done new musicals and that's it's part of the course. It's just part of bringing a new musical into London. You're always met with that kind of, oh, well, let's see what you're bringing. Yeah. I can't see how this would work. Same was said of Matilda, same was said of Mary Poppins. Um, was it? Well, yes, because Mary Poppins, because it was... Uh, when first made, very dark, as the P.L. Travers books were. And um, and the musical really embraced that. Uh, and people were like, well, where are the dancing penguins? <laughs> well, you know, there's budget, but, you know, not that much. <laughs> and um, so you had to, you know, you, you always have to overcome an expectation. Matilda was a story about words. It was a story about reading. Um How's that for mm. a grand Western musical? But there it is, still yeah. there. And you had Tim Minchin writing it, so that was uh, a help. I know, but you know... And it's a massive hit still. It's a beautiful hit. And I, I felt very much the same way on first encountering this musical as I felt when I encountered Matilda for the first time. It was very special. That spark went straight in. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. And I think you can feel it in the cast when you come to watch it, um, that... Everyone is having an absolute ball doing this. And that transmits to the audience. There's nothing like going to the theatre and knowing that the people on stage are having a great time. Well, we we are very fortunate as well because it really comes from the top down. We have a creative team of dreams who really respect and honour the work that we do. Everybody, you know. Um, And uh, so when you're treated with that kind of regard... You can't help but want to come to work. Hello. Jack Morgan, please contact stage door. Jack Morgan, please contact stage door. Thank you. We're, we're working on the theatre. Do you know where Jack, Jack is? <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you know? Have you, have you seen him recently? We were no, Jackie. No, Jackie's no, our company no. manager. Oh, is it? Probably, oh, okay. probably wandering around the corridors oh, of the so theatre. having the sneaky break outside. Yes. Jack, come back. You wanted... <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the reality of my podcast. We're in a theatre. We are. Which is great. And that's great. Yeah. It's absolutely great. I mean, you know, you can tell people where we sit in that we're sitting surrounded by all these posters of great West End musicals that yeah. have come before. And you just go, what? Isn't this a great thing to be a part of? And you, as I said, you've got a great tradition. You've done a load of, of big shows. Yeah. Is there a part or a song that you would love to do or sing that you haven't done yet? Do you know, I, every time somebody asks me if I have um, a dream part, I always say it hasn't been written yet. Um, and I think that has held me in good stead for the number of new shows that I've done yeah. and the number of new opportunities that I've had a, a chance to do. Getting to play Golda in Fiddle on the Roof, which is something that I wouldn't even think that I would get to do, but I did up in the Liverpool Rep. And that was incredible. So I can't... Um, no, I can't say that there is uh, something that exists that... I, I would, if I get an opportunity to play different things, then yeah, hurrah. But in terms of a dream, I always say it's still coming. Mm. 
But you're sort of doing it now. So I am. Right. No, this is you amazing. This, um, <laughs> this is amazing. Say, you... But also, at my age, to get to do uh, <laughs> what I do on a night here, uh, my body aches. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did talk to Cassidy about this, about the bouncing cast around you. Yes. <laughs> and they... Well, they they don't stop, do they? No, they and, don't stop. And that, well, that dancing and all that, and it's that hip hoppy types dancing exactly. thing that I can't, you know. No, well, I, neither can I. But there but I am, do, giving it a good go. You do do it. You give it a <laughs> <laughs> giving it a right hot go. And you know, see, I was watching you, and I think she can do that. Oh, She's I doing can't. that young people's dancing Everything thing. Everything hurts me. I go home at night. I get off the train at the other end, and I limp home. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> Why, why did I say yes to being in that number? <laughs> it's it's so it's such fun. You just to just um, and I can't even say reliving my youth because I wasn't even that cool when I was young. I was such a nerd, and uh, you know, I, I didn't have any as much grace and talent as they have uh, for that movement of the body. So. It is great fun. Well, I think you blend right in there oh, with yay, those hurrah. dance routines. Absolutely, you did. You look fantastic. Um, thank you so much for talking to us. You're very Good welcome. luck with the run. Good luck with the opening. Um, lots of luck for the run. I think you're going to be in the Shaftesbury Theatre for quite a long time. So We're keeping get everything used to crossed. It. I think you will be. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. We've got Oliver Tomset, otherwise known as Mr. Sh- well. As Will. Yeah, Will. Will Shakespeare. Will Shakespeare. In this production um, of Ampersand Juliet. Mm -hmm. I'm calling it that. Nobody else is. I like it. Just me. I like it. I mean, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but it's Not in the same way. Um, And Juliet, which is on the Shaftesbury (laughs) Theatre. Now, I was saying to Cassidy, who plays Anne Hathaway, that I think you've married above yourself slightly, Oliver. Well... I, yeah, I definitely have. Definitely, my Shakespeare definitely has. We've purposefully made him a little bit more accessible, and um, uh, they didn't want him to have a sort of RP standard English accent. So we kind of played with roughing him up a bit and making him a bit more London. Uh, and I think it, it, it instantly puts the audience at rest that we're not trying to do something that's historically correct and that we've got our own world, and it's a lot of fun. But you see, he wouldn't have been posh London anyway. Well, no, he wouldn't have been, he would, no, he would have been. They didn't speak like we speak now. No. He wouldn't have been posh. No, who knows? Who knows? What who he, knows? Exactly. So he might have been exactly as London as you play in. Exactly. Um, there's a I'm great, I haven't talked to any of you about this before, but the, the costumes in this are a great sort of mix of sort of Shakespearean time, mm-hmm. <laughs> medieval, and sort of um, funky today it, yeah. they're sort of timeless it's a brilliant brilliant design yeah I think. a couple of us described the show as sort of renaissance pop and it right, sort of yes. has that um where we have our sort of high top trainers and our skinny jeans but yet there's still a nod to the, the shakespearean era if you like um uh and that that's exactly what we need with the marriage of this story and the music so in this production shakespeare is kind of dominated by Mrs. Shakespeare, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yeah. And I, I you think lose control. Yeah, I think it's really wonderful. I mean, with the female empowerment movement, I think it's really relevant that we, that we have that in our show, especially with someone who's so prolifically and well-known like William Shakespeare, to see that uh, 
someone who is still considered this day quite highbrow and that would have been very in control and that's what he did even though i think it's well documented that maybe he had little help from people they were probably other men um and if they were other women they he wouldn't have uh, let it be known whereas seeing that that great story that behind every great man is a great woman um, is exactly what happens in our show and it, it's lovely i think what's good about our show is that we raise women up without really suppressing men we have a bit of a dig at shakespeare and we have a laugh at him but i don't ever feel we get to the point where we sort of hate on him mm. no yeah. no i think that's right I think yeah. the whole show is full of a lot of love yeah exactly in all sorts of different ways yeah lots of different loves yeah and then at one point will shakespeare becomes sort of part of a boy band yeah exactly yes he, and um he has to have fun and typically typically my wife door. has just poked but her head has. around the door but we've 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 done your wife so i don't know if she wants <laughs> she's going to come back <laughs> oh no she does <laughs> i thought she was i thought she was going to give i thought she was going to give uh, william shakespeare a little kiss like a little wifey husband no no because no, no. he's bristly yeah he's <laughs> bristly with beard um but yeah so just that that explain the boy band thing so you so, so throughout the, the show we without d- accents yeah oh yeah so, so throughout the show we discover um we we explore an alternative ending for for juliet um through the eyes and the quill pen if you like of uh, william and his wife Anne hathaway um and then throughout act two the that power gets taken away from both of them and the, we lose the quill and so the only other way for William and William to sort of infiltrate the play and to have some sort of control over it is for him to sort of improv his way into the play, into the actors and to be part of the play, um, which allows us a lot of fun to be had. And so at that point, I, um, I become a character in the show and join the Dubois family, family band, which happens to be a boy <laughs> band, um, which is probably the only moment in the show where we attempt to shoehorn in one of our pop songs the rest of the show is so clever in the sense that we've always found a reason for it we've made sense lyrically but that point we do kind of go we're gonna have a bit of fun here so we've somehow managed to create some sort of french um tribute boy band yes it did yeah you do somehow manage to create it (laughs) but it's such an iconic song and um because we've because of the hard work we've done in Act 1 and the first half of Act 2, sort of people are so in love with the characters that we have that you just see all the male characters in the show almost having a laugh at themselves by by basically representing a 90s boy band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are a lot of jokes about um, the second best bed, mm-hmm. which is what you leave. Yes. And, and now, did you do lots of show? Have you delved into Shakespeare? And a little, yeah, delved? I have a little bit. I mean, some, some, there's, there's, there's not a huge amount of accuracy documented about Shakespeare's um, history's personal life. Um, but from what I've learned from talking to friends of mine who do know a lot about Shakespeare and who have researched it and doing a bit of research myself, there's a lot of people that believe that the second best bed uh, could have been a very, uh, a very complimentary thing. It's so a lot of people initially think that the second best bed is a, is a poor thing for someone to leave in their will. But apparently there are... Um, there are historical references where people would leave their second best bed, which that would be the the bed that they would have, they would be intimate with. And so it was a suggestion of their love on that level. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to sort of pick out which one, who's right, which, uh, which expert is right. Um, 
but it allows us some freedom to play with it and to leave it to the audience's imagination. But either way, I think in a modern language, when you when you put it down in writing and you say, out of all the things he could have left me in his will, he left me his second best bed, it does sound like it a dig. Doesn't sound great. No, it does doesn't it? sound great at all. Whichever way you no, wash it, not at all. Doesn't sound great. Um, were you in on the original workshops of all of this? Have you been in this on uh, this journey with everybody else from the uh, beginning? I think I'm probably one workshop later than the majority of our cast. Um, they've been quite loyal to the company that were involved in the early workshops. I think Luke's very good at casting a production and finding the right people. Um, when the show first came on my radar. Uh, I was in regular work in a show in the West End and wasn't available. Which? Um, I was in Kinky Boots. Um, and then towards the end of my run in Kinky Boots uh, was when the second workshop was going to happen. And I wasn't available again. So for me, it was just a show that was happening that I kind of had heard on the, uh, the grapevine. Um, but then our, our show got given its notice like two months early from when we were contracted to. So I was like, oh, that's sad. But suddenly... I had a phone call from the casting director. Would you come in? And, and it all sort of went from there. So I, so the last workshop we did before we went into production, the entire cast who you see on stage today were involved in it, which allowed the creative team, the music department, to write the song, make sure the songs are in the right key, make sure mm -hmm. that we're approaching any of the humour from the right angle. And the writer has been brilliant and written some of the parts around the humour that us as actors have brought to the table, which is which is a joy to be part of that creation, really. Um, so I did the I did I like to think I did the most important bit of the workshop, but I can't take uh, all the uh, credit for the the groundwork that happened in the early stages. What two three years ago? But that wasn't your fault. Cause no, you not my fault. Busy. I wasn't ready. You I wasn't were, available. You weren't available. Yes, it wasn't like you. Went but uh, I mean, no, but apparently you can tell was, how it's sort of grown from the roots up this piece it's, yeah. it's very much a company piece and everybody's having a rip roaring yes day. yeah yeah our, uh, our director was very um adamant in the when he cast it he he made sure he got a company of people that he liked on a personal level as well that were going to chip in and work well together and it really shows we we had to audition for some uh, a boy swing and a girl swing right at the last minute when but just before we started rehearsals for the production and um when they were auditioning apparently they sat them down after they'd done their singing done their dancing read their script and everything and then he sat them down for like 15 20 minutes and, and chatted to them on a personal level before he made the decision who he wanted to welcome into his company which is really rare um but it's it's definitely showing because we're all having a really good time and and there's no there's no ego no he wanted nice people in yeah. his company, good yeah. company members. Yeah, it's and, important. And that, yeah, it is important actually, because mm -hmm. it, it, the the joy of that then spreads to the audience. Yeah. it really does. Good. I think you can tell good. when companies get on. Yeah. Um, Oliver, thank you thank so you. much for for coming in. My good pleasure. luck with the run, Mr. Shakespeare. <laughs> um, have a wonderful time. Thank you. some of the cast from and Juliet playing at the Shaftesbury Theatre. They were Cassidy Jansen, Miriam Teatley, Melanie LaBarry and Oliver Thompson. And if you enjoyed listening to that, well, you can review it. You can go on something and give it stars. Please do. Be great.